0: Hey, what's up everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. This is now episode 53 of the podcast and as I record this intro, it is Monday, November 7th, the first day of the college basketball season, the first day of the 2022-2023 season and I know that a lot of people are excited around Albuquerque anyway for the prospects of of this season and, and what the Lobo's continued improvement, which is expected at least to improve, just how much is, is maybe up for debate. But the continued improvement of the Lobo basketball program in year two under Richard Pertino is something that I know some, at least the diehards, are a little excited about. So we'll see how that season goes. But because this podcast will be released on a day when there is a Lobo basketball game, they they play Southern Utah to start the season, Southern Utah in the pit on Monday night. Because this podcast is being released on the day of the game and I wouldn't have time to then react or have any commentary about that game, I reached outside the circle of Lobo Basketball a little bit for this podcast guest and asked Ken Pomeroy, the namesake of KenPom.com, to uh, sort of have a conversation about not only his website and what it means in college basketball, how, how he came about being basically the guru of analytics. There's a lot of fantastic analytical minds out there and analytic websites for college basketball now, but he was the first. He he really kind of launched this. Uh, he carved a niche for himself in college basketball with this site, which is still a very, very popular site used regularly, not only by just fans and, and maybe people who like betting on college basketball, but – also used by coaches and sports information directors and the NCAA itself, which gives it a whole lot of input and a whole lot of power, if you will, into the the college basketball season and and how teams get selected and, and who gets selected into the NCAA tournament field. It is used. It is one of the metrics used regularly by the NCAA selection committee. So with that power, I wanted to have a little bit of understanding of what goes into KenPom.com ratings that are used so much around the sport of college basketball. For this season, Division I college basketball has 363 teams. There's no human out there that's going to be able to compile all that data in their mind and be able to come up with a one through one or one through 363 team by team ranking system. So obviously, you need some computer metrics to try and figure it out. Now, what does he actually put into those metrics? How should a fan look at his? KenPalm.com ratings right now on opening day when no games have even been played this season. I ask him all that. I ask him what the data points are that he puts into the system and why New Mexico, a team that I picked third in the preseason Mountain West poll, the, the whole media at large picked fifth in the, in the preseason media poll for the Mountain West Conference, why a team like New Mexico is ranked eighth among Mountain West teams in his poll, in his rankings. So... What goes into that? Well, there is a little bit in the preseason based on returning players, based on transfer players and what he projects or what the computer rather, it's not him, it's the computer projects as their production, but you have to also look at a little bit of recent history. And I think that's what Lobo fans need to understand. And he does a great job of explaining it. I think the recent history part of the preseason polls for, for kenPOm.com are why the Lobos right now are ranked 138th coincidentally one spot below the new mexico state aggies so you're looking at an aggies team that finished last season 80th in KenPom.com, and right now they're ranked 137th. so that's a 57 point drop from the end of last season to the beginning of this season well why is that basically the entire roster turned over at new mexico state now they do have some good players coming in of course But you you can only put so much data in for new players, and when you lose a whole roster, it really hurts you. They're still up as high as they are at 137, the New Mexico State Aggies are, because their recent history has been great. They've actually been a top 100 team consistently for for the past 5, 10 years. If you look at the Lobos, on the other hand, remember, this is a team that two years ago finished in Ken Palm's ratings 294th. Can't pretend that that didn't happen. Last year they they start they went from the end of two ninety four, the end of the Paul Weir era, to finishing last year at one hundred and sixty one. So that's a huge jump. One in fact, this is one of the top five jumps in the entire country in the Ken Palm ratings. And from one sixty one to now one thirty eight in the preseason poll this year, they're still making gains, if you will, in his ratings. I do think New Mexico is probably going to be a top one hundred team, maybe even top eighty type of team in his ratings at the end of this season. So why would his ratings be at 138? He explains it. We put him on the spot, and uh, we talked to him a little bit about that and what goes into his ratings all year. It's a really fun conversation from a guy whose site has far more influence on on college basketball than I think maybe the average fan realizes. So it was a fun conversation. Ken's a a great guy, and I appreciate him not only for for stepping in and and helping out in a kind of a short-notice podcast – um, I did catch him on Sunday, the, the calm before the storm, as he explained it. We talk Lobo basketball, we talk Mountain West basketball, we talk kenpom.com, and we talk the season ahead for college basketball. And real quick, before we get to that conversation, let me take this moment to do my usual asks. However, you listen to this podcast, please rate, subscribe, give me some feedback, leave your comments. Ggrammer at abqjournal.com is the email, at jeffgrammer.com. On Twitter, let my bosses know if you're interested in subscribing. Or I mean, sorry, if you're interested in, in advertising on the podcast or with the paper, reach out. I can get you in touch with the right people. Follow all our coverage of all sports, not just Lobo basketball, but all sports. Ken Sickinger's hitting up the the Lobo women's basketball coverage really hard this season too. So, abqjournal.com/sports will give you all our coverage and subscribe. Local journalism is still very key to our society and it's not just sports and and this kind of stuff. It's all the stuff local journalism provides. It's very important right now. And I do ask you to please subscribe if you can. abqjournal.com slash subscribe is how you can do that. Helps this podcast, helps the print edition, of course, helps all the content you see on our website. But again, it also helps this podcast. So please subscribe if you can. Because it's Opening night for college basketball in the Lobos. Again, I stepped outside the Lobo circle a little bit to, to interview somebody. And I do hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Ken Pomeroy on the Talking Grammar podcast. All right, Ken. So obviously, we as we record this, and, and first of all, thank you so much, especially on short notice for uh for doing this. But um as we record this, it is the day before the college basketball season. So before all that madness starts, I'm curious what what a Sunday is like for you before college basketball season. Are you are you an NFL fan at
1: all? You, you do any of that? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I I watch a little bit of football. Um, yeah, it is I the bet, I mean, it is really the calm before the storm for me. You know, uh, uh, there are two days of the season that I can't uh, enjoy as much as I would like. One is opening day, just because there's a lot of like just live kind of like testing of my system basically and there's always something that's glitchy and I gotta fix it and so right. um so there's that and then of course uh selection Sunday is also a day that I don't quite enjoy as much as everyone else. Like, again, I again have to like monitor my uh my website and make sure like the uh massive surge of traffic is uh being dealt with appropriately. So uh but today is a day of relaxation and I'm just uh chilling as much as possible before uh before stuff happens tomorrow.
0: I, I would I would guess any any tweaks it and you do tweaks, um, if that's even the the best term for it. I'm sure sometimes they're a little more major than tweaks, but you do tweaks every offseason, I would imagine, right? There's there's adjustments made every year.
1: Yeah, there's just like not necessarily to the ratings themselves, but you know, to the website in some way. Like the the one example I'll give you is that uh, you know, last year um there was an issue with like my experience measure where a few teams decided they were not going to like update their uh players eligibility class, right? D- due to the COVID extra year. Yeah. We're and still, so, like, we're still seeing that with some schools and, and how they actually reflect it. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, Arizona and Dayton were like two of the more high profile teams or like their experience rating. The way I've measured is by what you're listed as on your roster. And so they're, they all look like they're way younger than everybody else because they weren't updating their eligibility class. So I came up with a way to circumvent that and, 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 and do something a little more fairly. And so I'm implementing that this year. Um, but I kind of have to wait for like <laughs> data to come in to uh, to make sure it works. I think it'll work. I think it'll work fine from the start. But um, but there's just a little bit of like coding issues that uh, nobody needs to hear about the details of, but uh, that that uh, are a problem right now.
0: Well, so you've told this, you know, through the years, just tons of times, I'm sure. Um, so I won't ask for like an, a detailed, in depth one. But for for listeners to my podcast. Here in Albuquerque, mostly, um, although, although I'm getting some people listening around the Mountain West Conference, too. Um, I, I, I guess, can you just give me a little bit of the, the origin story, like how you got into what you're doing w- without you know necessarily getting into the full hour long kind of – I'm sure you could walk us through every detail. Yeah. But I know you've told this story a lot and, and your origin story of, of how Ken Palm became a thing.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, growing up was always interested in college hoops. And then I was also always kind of nerdy and, and interested in math and eventually got into programming a little bit. But, um, you know, loved, you know, Bill James growing up, read all his stuff. And so I was into that kind of uh, material. And, um, you know, early 2000s, like when the internet started to kind of mature and um, analytics and baseball also started to kind of mature. Uh, you know, I kind of looked around and wanted to know who was doing this for college basketball and couldn't find anybody. So I um, just kind of started doing it myself and that led to finding some like-minded people who were doing this stuff, uh, you know, namely guys like John Hollinger and Dean Oliver who were doing it for the NBA. And uh, that just kind of led to um, the genesis of the website and, and trying to do this stuff for the college game. As far as the
0: college game goes, um, I'm going to get into details about this season, but I think that's a, maybe a good transition to something I want to ask you about was you first of all when did kenpom.com start what 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 year was the the first year
1: well it's a uh, not an easy answer because the the website probably started like 1999 or something but i was like rating all sorts of different sports just for you know my own fun and then it's an evolution you
0: know, into the website
1: yeah you know eventually started like focusing on college basketball basically especially the you know the efficiency stuff like the end of the 0304 season was really when things started to look like they they do now
0: um that's at that time for college basketball in particular like you said you 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 named some of the guys you sort of i guess emulated in some respects maybe that were doing it with the nba but i'm i'm curious at that time and i'm not aware of them but you you sort of carved your own niche into the college basketball realm in this regard is that is that fair
1: yeah i mean the timing timing was everything like i was definitely like the first guy to kind of hit this pretty hard you know now there's it's great There's like you know a dozen people out there that are putting out like preseason computer ratings, you know? And so it's great. There's more people, but, um, yeah, when I, when I started back then, there was really, nobody else was doing anything like this.
0: When I, when I reached out to you originally on this, I told you I had just listened to your podcast with Jordan Sperber. And along those lines, I kind of think he found a way even in, you know, I guess it's a couple of years old now, but you know, even in 2020 or so, to To carve his own niche into what he was doing with hoop vision a little bit, and obviously he he follows Ken Palm very closely. Um, I, I saw him do a speech at a, a talk to some coaches at a coaching clinic at UNM that Paul Weir put on a few years back, and and it was really just a, a very generic breakdown of of the four you know the the four factors really, and and Ken Palm was what he used kind of throughout as the graphics and all that. So you know excuse me, you know, Jordan very well, obviously he, interesting to me. And, and I really like it. Like I almost feel like I'm proud of him because he found a way to carve a niche in to this college basketball realm. When I didn't think there were too many more niches to, to, to carve.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. I, he, uh, you know, he obviously is able to, he's one of the best in terms of like, um, kind of combining his statistical knowledge with coaching, um, just kind of, you know, regular coaching and, and video breakdowns and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, um, to me, that's you know he's a great advocate for uh, you know kind of thinking more uh, intelligently about uh, about college hoops, and obviously got a lot of that uh, knowledge or applied it at New Mexico State when he was down there. So yeah, yeah.
0: the the Aggie history there, and obviously the Nevada history. He worked with Musk for year too. Um, his ability to sort of articulate um, what he's trying to convey is is kind of a strength of his, I think. I think I'll say this about KenPOm.com and, and why I recommend it to everybody is it's the best base starting point kind of website. I, I probably open it. I, I say probably I, I think it's safe to say I do open it daily during the college basketball season because it's not just about looking up analytics. It's not just about looking up whatever stat you want. On the home page, there is a listing of every single D1 team. You can just one click away from their whole schedule two clicks away from their entire history. I say entire history, you know, 20 plus
1: year history. Now, what does it go back to 20 or 19? Yeah. Data back to like 97 actually, but yeah. So yeah, 25 years basically. Yeah. And full rosters
0: are up there. There, there's no, there's no team website. There's no ESPN or CBS sports website that is as easy to navigate as just the, the bare basics. Ken Palm. And for anybody that, I think wants to follow college basketball with just a little bit more to their add a little bit more knowledge to their game. I guess their coverage or their not their coverage, but their fandom. Um, it, it, for twenty bucks a year, it's it's as as good a starting point. But it's what's brilliant about it to me is that you you found a way to to make it that real starter point kind of website where you don't have to know much, you don't have to be in analytics, and it's still so useful. Or you can actually use it and break it down and put it into so many stories, like a reporter like myself or all the national reporters. And no matter how in-depth you want to get, like your site provides kind of that whole spectrum from a bare bones, basic kind of fan to to somebody who really wants to get into it. And and I think, you know, credit to you for for doing that. I I know it's taken years of sort of crafting the website to to what it is right now.
1: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, when I first started, obviously it was like, you know, that was the purpose really it was like, Hey, you know, let's have an easy reference to like get at a bunch of data, whether it's just the basic schedule data or rosters or, you know, more detailed data. And, uh, you know, over time it's grown to the point where, you know, I could, I could charge money for it and, you know, it's completely ad free. So I think that's kind of another bonus when you go to, you know, ESPN or sure CBS or wherever, you know, you're kind of bombarded with, with advertisements. So, um, so I kind of wanted to get away from that visual distraction and just give you the the raw information and uh, just you know hopefully at an affordable price. I imagine you've had people offer you, uh, "Hey,
0: give us your site or put your site on up to ours through the years." And you've so far, and I don't know if this is a forever thing, but you so far have declined that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, those offers have uh, have come along. I think half the time uh, when those offers are made, people don't really kind of understand like how valuable acquiring my site would be. So, so those discussions are pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something to it too. Like I, you know, I don't want to, I do know, like eventually I like guess it's not going to last forever. Like eventually I'm going to either, you know, I'm going to do something <laughs> else. Like I'm not going to do this until I die. So, um, eventually it will go somewhere or I'll shut it down or whatever. But, um, w- you know, whatever I do with it, like is definitely a concern of mine. I don't want to kind of compromise the character of, of what sure. I've built and uh, have it go, you know, corporate or whatever. So, uh, so that's always kind of on my mind as well. Ken Palm has become something bigger than Ken Palmer. I mean, it's like uh, Ken Palm is its own thing too.
0: Um, so yeah, it's gonna, it, it will live on. And, and you, once that day comes when you aren't maybe running it every day or, or overseeing it, like you don't want that name to, to be tarnished in any way. So um, yeah, exactly. as we go into this season, let, let me ask you this. Um, fans that don't quite understand how you know november 7th opening day ratings on your system or on your site rather um work like what's the how how would you explain to people how how to read your site right now how how to take it into account like what you've used from the past how far into the season until you think it's just this season's data or if, if ever and what's the rundown on on maybe the the cliff notes version of how a fan should should read your site right now understanding what the numbers all mean right now
1: yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess the first thing to say is that by the end of the year, you know, it's the, the preseason ratings are not a factor at all. So, um, so there's nothing like holding a team back from, you know, massively outperforming their their ratings or whatever. If they they perform well enough to do that, you know, the the ratings will reflect that appropriately by the end of the season. Um, but early in the season, you know, it's uh, you know if we didn't have any preseason ratings. Like I wouldn't be able to do predictions or anything. It would be kind of a you know, and that's how it used to be in my site, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But um, the idea is just to kind of put teams in, you know, the right neighborhood at the start of the season. Like we do, you know, I mean, you're a voter in the AP poll. Like you do a preseason rating and, and mm-hmm. the way I do preseason ratings are probably pretty similar. Like it's looking at, hey, who, who's returning from the team? Um, was there a coaching change? Who's coming into the team? You know, it's basically like returning production, incoming production and recent history um of the program and uh and do that for all 363 teams and and you get a rating and just like anybody else's rating there's you know nobody's going to agree with everything that's in that list but hopefully it like gets you know 95% of the teams kind of in the in the right neighborhood to start the season and then you know as the season goes on the, the influence of those ratings gradually decreases till they're you know completely gone by kind of early february
0: i I mean, that's very kind of you to say. The AP vote and and your site are are similar in how they do the the preseason and and because I don't think they are. I think you're you're right on in um, something you recently wrote, and and again something I, I heard on your that podcast recently with Jordan is is the AP preseason poll probably does have. And and as a voter, I'm I'm admitting I I fall victim to this. There is there is some group think bias that kind of falls. Um, that the preseason poll kind of falls victim to. And, and the problem with that, well, first of all, my admission of that is I see a team sometimes that maybe some of the national guys or people I start hearing about in the offseason when they start those, you know, way too early top 25 polls back in March, really, or April rather, once the season ends. Um, I see a team and the kind of anything that makes them, you know, kind of perk up a little bit. Like, why, why does everybody like that team so much? If I'm unaware of why one team seems to be an outlier to me, then I start, you know, reading a whole lot about them and I probably fall victim to the more I I read about them that I didn't know about. I'm like, oh man, I I get it. I see why they might be good. And I might be totally ignoring a team that, uh, just isn't getting that same kind of hype. Whereas Kenpom.com doesn't have any of that. Like you, you, you're able, your site's able to compile so much data that any human's not going to be able to. So, we do come about these preseason rankings very differently, I would say.
1: Yeah, you know the thing about the computer is that it 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 doesn't care uh, what other people think. Right, <laughs> it's the best way to put it. Like, like uh, you know, if you uh, have a goofy outlier in your on your ballot, like you're going to hear from a bunch of people about it, and you probably don't want that noise. So, um, it's understandable that. Some extent, you would try to avoid that, but um, the computer does not. Uh, you know, once you programmed it, you know, it's just going to spit out the team that's going to spit out. And it's I, I could go in and manually change things. Like I, you know, right now, I have Virginia ranked fifth, and I don't think there's a very good chance that Virginia is going to be right the fifth best team in college basketball. Like I, uh, they, they'll be improved from last year, but uh, if I wanted to go in and manually move them around, I I could do that. But you know, I just kind of like. Kind of like the way it works, it's taking, you know, the, the algorithm takes all the data for every team, uses it the same way and and spits out a rating. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see those outliers. I think that's actually more useful than trying to, you know, create a system that would not have uh, any teams in any sort of unusual places.
0: You have to, there's probably got to be some patience through the years where where you've been tempted to maybe tweak something that you or, or adjust a team's rating that you really believed in. Like like you said right now, Virginia rated higher than you Personally, Ken Pomeroy might think is is going to be accurate. Um, when did you sort of get past the the temptation, if there ever really was one, to uh, to make adjustments because you just just your eye the eye test, I suppose um, that you gave it just looked wrong.
1: Yeah, I think I get over that temptation when I realize there's no there's no like end to that process. <laughs> so Virginia is an obvious one where you you know I, I move them to fifteen or whatever like I, you know that would look better. But on the one hand too, like the difference between five and 15 is actually not that great, especially in the preseason. So it's not a huge deal, but, but you start that process, you know, like, I mean, you commented on New Mexico and how, uh, you know, I have them like one thirty eighth or something and, um, you and your local expertise uh, is pretty confident that they'll be better than that. So, I mean, and like, I, I trust your, your knowledge of the Lobos more than my computers. Uh, you know, I could move them up, you know, 30 or 40 spots, But then I got to go through every team and like do this process. And it's probably I'm going to be wrong on, you know, 30% of them or 40% of them. And so it's like, eh, you know, we'll just let it play out. You know, even though the ratings do have influence like well into the season, like this stuff gets worked out pretty quick. You know, um, if Virginia, you know, looks like the 15th best team over the first month of the season, like, you know, they're going to end up dropping into the, into the teens by that point. So uh, at that point, you know, is also kind of, Driving this as well, like eventually, it, it you know it, it sorts itself out pretty quickly.
0: History's on your side too. I mean, the, the the numbers have played out for the most part. I mean, nobody's batting a thousand, but like you, the, your ratings have been pretty darn accurate through the years, and, and you just kind of have to stand by them.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just like they're just like they people. You know, it's like there's you know there's hits and there's there's misses. Like you're not going to hit everything. That's why we watch the games. Like you can't hit everything. It's like you're only going to be so good. Um, so uh, you know. I, I don't change my ratings very often, but I do like kind of tinker with the preseason ratings. Cause you know, as time goes on, we get more data from past seasons and yeah. I just kind of get smarter about how to model things. And so, um, so that's something I do tinker with, but you know, it, it, any improvements I make are only gonna be so good because you just, you know, good luck predicting whether, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids are going to, um, you know, improve or, or break out or, you know, whatever, get hurt, or, you know, there's all sorts of things that you really just can't predict. And so um, so I'm not going to lose too much sleep over over these outliers.
0: And to be clear, since you just mentioned getting hurt, the Mountain West Conference in particular has two preseason, you know, voted preseason All-Mountain West Conference uh, players. And Isaiah Stevens at Colorado State, who's going to be out an extended period of time with a broken foot and a, a leg injury to, to now Graham Eke, the preseason player of the year, at Wyoming, I, a school I know that's near and dear to you. Um, there's no... There's no switch to, to be flipped on the site to, to say this player is out. Once the season starts, you, you sort of I I would think, um, kinda have to live with the the data that's in there and and until that player comes back, there's not really an adjustment or or is there?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's tough. Um so I do like if a player's out for the year, like I, you know, rule them out and take them out of the the Ratings. So, you know, the ratings are based on returning production to some extent. So, like, um, Isaiah Stevens, I left him in there. Graham E.K., I left him in there. Like, guys who are going to be back, you know, we think are going to be back roughly by the beginning of conference season, I leave in there. And I could change that. Like, obviously, I'm making predictions at the beginning of the year. So, like, maybe I should just, you know, rule out, you know, take out guys who are not going to be um, ready at the beginning of the year. The problem is that those preseason ratings do continue, you know, do have influence. Yeah, you know, into early conference season. So that's kind of my cutoff. Like, I think if you have a chance to be back for conference play, I basically leave you in. And, um, and, and that's just the way I've, um, applied it. So, uh, so those guys are still included in in each team's rating. And then the theory is like, Hey, the ratings themselves will adjust based on game action kind of early in the season. If those guys are major, um, you know, have a have a big influence on the team, which I mean sure. obviously both of them do.
0: I know uh specific to the team I cover and then the school I went to, obviously here in New Mexico. Coincidentally, I'm sure it's it wouldn't be intentional, but New Mexico State is uh one thirty seven right now in the preseason and New Mexico is one thirty eight. So those two in state rivals happen to be, you know, one one spot away from each other out of this year's three sixty three, right? Yeah, three hundred sixty three Division one teams this year, and you happen to put the uh, the Aggies and Lobos, the good friends, right next to each other. I'm sure that's just purely coincidental, right? It is purely coincidental. <laughs> yes, I know it is. Yeah,
1: kind of like you know, and the 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 bracket comes out, and there's some weird matchup in the bracket. And People are like, ah, oh, that's definitely intentional, and then like the committee's always like, no, we don't have time to like you yeah. know, match these two teams up or whatever. Uh, Storylines. You know, I'm in stuff, the same yeah. boat, right? Like I'm ranking three hundred sixty three teams. I don't have time to. To, to pair these teams up like that. And furthermore, I don't know that uh, putting New Mexico and New Mexico state together is nex- necessarily going to give me a whole lot of like extra publicity <laughs> or, or, clicks. click. So it, it, I don't know if it'd be worth my while, even if I did do it that way. I,
0: I can't believe Norlander and, and Parrish and, you know, Goodman and everybody hasn't been on this already, but I'll, I'll make <laughs> sure they make sure they're aware. Um, as far as the, those two schools go right, right now, as I, as I mentioned, 137, 138 in the preseason, they ended last year, New Mexico State did, at 80th, and that's a 57-spot drop from the end of last year to where their preseason is. UNM actually improved. And I've actually had to tell that to some, to, to some Lobo fans that aren't too happy with the 138 preseason ranking. Look, they, they made a huge jump. In fact, one of the top five, I think, I think Steve Kirkland, their SID, was saying fourth best jump last year from end of previous year, 294 at the end of the 21 season to 161 is where they finished last year. It's 133 spot increase. So they, they made a huge jump in your poll. And even with that, going into this year with all the new data, and they jumped another 23 spots to their preseason 138. So I say all that to to sort of, um I guess, ask you, when a team like New Mexico State drops 57 spots or a team like New Mexico jumps 23 from the end of last year to now, what what is the best way to explain – why a team might have had that big a jump, um, either direction.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, it comes down to kind of those main inputs where it's, you know, kind of team recent history, you know, last yeah. five years, um, returning production and kind of incoming production. And in the case of, you know, both of those teams, there's a they're kind of, they're kind of opposite maybe in all of those categories, like New Mexico state's recent history is really good. Yeah. Um, but they have a new coach so that actually dings them a little bit. And then, um, a lot of new players. You know, the roster is turning over, so, so they get, you know, they drop quite a bit. Their recent history actually props them up somewhat. I mean, the computer says, hey, even though they're turning over the roster, like they've been a pretty solid program the last five years, so they're, you know, they're not going to completely fall off the map. Um, and then with New Mexico, it's the opposite. They return a lot of guys. Um, uh, you know, return their coach. Um, but the recent history is poor, and hmm. so, uh, you know, if the recent history had had you know, if, if they had been, you know, in the 100 to 150 range, you know, the last five years, like they'd probably be ranked like 70th or something going into the yeah. season. But because the recent history is poorer, uh, that drags them down a little bit. Their baseline, their starting point, is a little bit lower. So they do get a boost from having all those players back. But, um, but it does kind of like um, it, it is tough for them to to get you know into the top 100 just because of their recent history.
0: I, I would think that that's something that fans. My guess anyway is that fans have the hardest time understanding because. It was only two years ago that the, the Lobo program I cover is rated, finished the year with six wins. It was the COVID year, and they played the entire season out of state. There's nothing really for a computer to do with that, like, but the, the data still needs to go in. They finished Ken Palm at the end of the 2021 season, the COVID season, played entirely out of the state of New Mexico. They finished 294th, and that's just hard to compute for Lobo fans who still are sort of attached to 10 years ago. When, when the team was a consistent top 30 to 40 kind of range team for at least a few year a, a few years there. And I, I don't think they understand that you, you, you don't get to just ignore that that season happened. It, it did happen. So you have to do something with it. And, and these numbers have to reflect somewhere and they do in the preseason ranking a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it is hard to understand like, hey, you know, we have a team, uh, with a bunch of players who really weren't on that team and, yeah. uh, and the coach, you know, wasn't there. And so it's like, uh, you know, why should that season matter? And, you know, obviously, I can understand that. Um, historic, like, the inputs to the system aren't just something, you know, that I randomly decided to do. Like, I, you know, it, it looks at past seasons and determines, hey, you know, this is how much two seasons ago should matter, you know, for a team right now. And so it's just kind of like, a, you know, an average of, like, all the past cases. So maybe for New Mexico, that shouldn't apply. And then I think clearly, like, it seems like it shouldn't apply. Like that's why, you know, that's why I think most humans feel like they'll do better than the way my preseason ratings have them pegged is because people aren't considering what happened two years ago and and they probably shouldn't like, you know, New Mexico historically, like you said, you know, 15, 20, 25 years has been a better program than they've been the last five years. And obviously things have pretty much, you know, turned over from two years ago. So, um, so certainly, uh, you know, I think betting on the logos is a, a legitimate, uh, that just based on you know what Early we're talking season.
0: about. I, and, and, and then to sort of hedge that a little bit is they did still only win 13 games last year. So this, this huge turnaround that I think maybe some, some of the, the most optimistic Lobo fans um, cling on to is they were still a nine seed last year. They were still only winning 13 games. So they might be on the rise up, but like the, the rise up starts somewhere. <laughs> it's because they were down. So um, I, I think people do need to remember that a little bit. I, I, I do want to then sort of rewind to what would have been ten seasons ago now, which is I, I think the first year I, I met you in a Mountain West tournament and it was the two thousand thirteen Mountain West season when the it was the high water mark in my mind of the of the league in a lot of ways. It was four out of five teams, more than half the team, made the NCAA tournament, and it was the high water mark for Ken Palm ratings of of the league, and they were rated fourth. And I'm curious I, I guess since that time, for some context, I don't think the Mountain West has been higher than six. Maybe seven was the highest it's been, which is about right when you think there's, in terms of there's a Power Six in college basketball with the the regular Power Five and then the Big East. So if if the Mountain West can get into that six, seven, eight range, that's a probably a pretty solid season for for a league like the Mountain West in general. So when they were at number four in 2013, I'm I'm curious. First of all, just your memories of, of that year. Do you
1: remember? that Mountain West season. Do you have any memories of that? I do. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe looking back on it because it's, you know, that was, you know, post, you know, BYU and, and, and Utah yeah. leaving the league um, and TCU for that matter. Um, so, uh, you know, it's basically the current construction of the league. Um, they did. I will say they did add San
0: Jose State the following year, which is sort of maybe, Hurt a little, uh, not sort of. It, it, it's hurt. It's hurt the league ratings overall since uh, the following year. But you know they added Utah State as well, which had actually a lot of really good Kent Palm years in in the past decade. So, um, yeah, 2013.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, every year since 2013, you know, they've been eighth, ninth, tenth, or eleventh. They were seventh last year, but before that, eighth, ninth, tenth, or eleventh. So, yeah, that was just really a, an amazing year, just a you know flash in the pan where you know, as you said, the conference as a whole ranked fourth. And, you know, part of it was, um, you know, they didn't have – obviously, Addict San Jose State hurt, but even the bottom of the league was, was really solid. I mean, Air Force was in the top 100, which is uh, hard to fathom, really. You know, it was just a, <laughs> yeah. just a, you know, obviously great year for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I remember – I think I remember being in that tournament and um, – It was a fantastic just, tournament. I mean – Yeah, and it's just so, like – Different when you go now. <laughs> no offense to the Mountain West tournament, but yeah. it's a little it's a little depressing. But back then, it was like, yeah, I'd rather be here. I'd rather be at the Mountain West than at the Pac-12 tournament, um, just because there were so many good teams, and obviously the fan base is there. You know, between New Mexico and San Diego State, especially, um, we're just you know so into it, and, and it was a, a great environment.
0: You, you see this in some other leagues too, but when when multiple teams in a league that isn't one of the Power Six. Um, when multiple teams are, are pretty good and they, they, they're pretty confident in their standing of, of, of being pretty good. Like that whole league and that whole conference tournament vibe at a, at a mountain west in 2013, or, or you could probably pick some Missouri Valley conference years, maybe, or, or something like that. Like th- those vibes are, are, just a little different because sure, the Pac 12 is always going to have a good contingent of fans from some of the power schools and out west. I'm talking anyway, We've been back east. So a lot more conferences have that, but man, it's, it's, a uh, it's a different vibe when, when they have a, a whole league kind of doing something unique like the mountain West was that year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think all the fan bases understand they can't uh, take, you know, take their year for granted. And, uh, and coincidentally, I, I, you know, I went to some of the Missouri Valley tournaments back when they had, you know, Wichita state and Creighton yeah. in the league. And I mean, it was the same vibe, like the, the building was sold out and the fan bases were, you know, there in force. And uh, it was just a tremendous environment. Northern Iowa as well, obviously has a good team. So it was just, it was, you know, just very similar.
0: I can. Well, I, as we sort of head towards wrapping this up here, I, I did want to ask a couple kind of quick fire things that I,
1: I heard you talk about recently. Shot clock. You're in favor of it going to 24. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Uh, uh, I know it's not a popular take, but really, you know, I mean, the rest of the world plays that way and um, it would just make the college game better, as I, as I told Jordan on that podcast, you know, the Conference USA like semifinal game is a 42 36 game with two, you know, teams that were trying to get into the NCAA tournament. And like, we just shouldn't have that in college basketball. So, yeah, yeah I would, I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of, of the 24 second clock. I, I don't think it would hurt the, you know, the, the feeling of, a, of the college game. Um, the reason the college game, by the way, is distinct from the NBA game, I didn't mention this on Jordan's podcast, but it's, you know, that there's, there's a, a shorter season, the games are shorter. There's just so much more urgency. Um, There's no drafts. There's no tanking. Like, everybody's trying to win every game. And that's how the college game is different from the NBA. That's why people like it. It's not because the shot clock's different. So, to me, like, going to 24, everybody else can do it, you know, at similar ages around the world, like, certainly, like, Americans can do it. And I do think it would make the game better. I I
0: remember hearing Jordan kind of make the comment that you want to make the college game different in in some ways if you can and whatever. But, like, there's one other thing that I don't think actually affects the game as much that falls under the everyone else is doing it. Why is men's college basketball the only one not doing it? And that's the quarter system. I, I still don't get what the halves are. And and again, I don't think that actually affects the game very much, but it's it's just a weird thing to hold on to and and, and and I don't think anybody could explain why they're holding on to it. But it should be four quarters like international, high school, even women's college basketball is all the quarter system now.
1: Yeah. You know, I I learned something from uh from John Gassaway who was uh, kind of a works at ESPN, writes at ESPN yeah. and wrote a book a couple years ago and in his research he found that the reason college basketball went to halves was because they didn't pre-shot clock, they didn't want teams like stalling at the end of the quarter you know, every time. So there were three times basically to stall or four times basically to stall towards the end of the quarter. So they got rid of the quarter break so teams wouldn't try to stall towards the end of the quarter. They could only stall towards the end of the half. And obviously now we have a shot clock for years. Uh, the reason uh, that they went to halves is no longer valid. So yeah, let's just go back to quarters, get rid of the you know, single bonus, just have five fouls, you know, for the bonus in each quarter. You'd actually reduce the number of free throws as well. I mean, yeah. there's nothing but benefits to doing that. So, uh, yeah, I'm on board with that as well.
0: So it does affect the game maybe more than I was even selling. I was saying I didn't think it affected gameplay all that much, but, but you're right. And I, and you see that in the women's game a little bit where, where the fouls you get to, yeah, it, there's obviously some, some effect. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask real quick about, uh, NCAA tournament expansion, uh, and again, an unpopular take maybe,
1: but you're, you're okay with it. It doesn't buy least popular much. take. Yeah. That's probably the best way to describe it. I'm okay with it. Uh, um, it's not like you're out I there like, fight.
0: Yeah. You're not fighting for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: I like 68. I like 64 whatever. Like, obviously that works really well. And I, you know, I uh, love the tournament and I'd be okay if it stayed that way. Um, but there are benefits to expanding it, especially if they did it right. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, kind of rewarding teams who've had really good seasons, rewarding those top 25 teams with a buy, uh, maybe rewarding conferences with a bid for their regular season champion if they've won a game in the tournament previously. There's some cool things you can do, and going to 80, you know, that's what I would recommend. Is not like super expansion. You're adding 12 teams, and well, you know, a lot of those at large teams uh, would be teams outside the the power league. So I think you yeah. still get some interesting teams that ended up in there. And uh, you know, if they do eventually do that, I'd be good with it. If they go to 128, yeah, then I'm gonna I'll join the the picket line <laughs> and, and go on strike. But uh, but 80 to me is a very reasonable number.
0: I think some people have a hard time wrapping their, round or, their head around the, the logistics of how it would look, so they just don't want it. Sure but, sure, but Logistics are solved every every year in scheduling by people that are paid to do that. We don't need to worry about that sometimes. Yeah, so.
1: I mean, that's the one benefit of 64s. It's very neat, you know, three weekends, uh, you know, two games a weekend. It's very neat and it could work. But I think you just tack on those extra games to whatever site they're going to play in that first weekend. And I think, I don't think it would be a... A huge problem. So. No,
0: and I, I know it would affect the uh, the unit share price, but there are leagues like the Mountain West and, and the WAC and every team outside the Power Conference that that would love the opportunity to sneak in one extra unit share a year um, yeah. because it means something to those leagues, whereas others others don't. So, right. all right, Ken, again, look, i I'm really grateful, really appreciative of you doing this. I, I do want to sign off with this. Why do you hate everybody's team? do do you get do you still get a lot of people kind of just assuming that you're you're behind it all
1: it's great because it's like a mystery every year which teams those will be but it's you know there's always two or three teams that are ranked you know pretty high in the ap top 25 that uh you know end up being ranked uh pretty low in my ratings come you know february and uh those fan bases obviously let me hear it so i don't know who those teams will be this year but yeah there's not fans are not terribly rational is the bottom line and uh (laughs) And this shouldn't nope. be. That's what. That's yeah, what makes we know sense. this. And uh, look, when I'm a fan, when I put on my fan hat, I'm not rational either. So I, I get that. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I'll, I'll get the blowback from somewhere this year. It's just uh, who knows where it'll be? It's, it's pretty, pretty unpredictable.
0: You, you are now showing up on some signs, and arenas, and stuff like that, right? Like yeah, yeah. I, I, there are some fan bases that'll, Ken Palm hates us or something kind of right, stuff. Right. Right. Ken Palm was a fraud, I believe was the sign last. That year. that was yeah, last like year at right. Ken games, Yes, that's right. Providence yeah. was sort of the uh, the sweet spot team of of everybody really liked them, but they kept winning games. Yeah. Um, so, like, I get why they were that way, but anyway, um, yep. that's a conversation from a year ago and could probably be had again this year with somebody. So, can I appreciate it? Um, I'll I will sign off with this. What's what's this college? Any any prediction for this college season, or is there any one stat? maybe that your site reflects that you think sort of reflects success more than than any other if if a fan is kind of watching for the first time ken Palm.
1: yeah I, you know i would say look at two point percentage look at two point percentage offense and defense it's you know it's an easy stat to understand it's not some newfangled stat that right. you can't compute you know it's very easy to understand they never sh- rarely show it on games you do see it a little bit more now um but that's something you can kind of easily pick off of my site and uh you know, the, the one kind of interesting factoid from last year, North Carolina was 151st in, in two point percentage offense, which, yeah. uh, is extremely low for a very good team. It's only extremely low for a team that ends up being number one in the preseason AP poll the following season. So, um, it's tough to win when you're, when your two point percentage offensively is low. So, uh, so they're going to have to improve that this year. So that's kind of something to watch. They were not my preseason number one because I actually pay attention to Ken Palm.
0: So. That's maybe not why, but they were not my <laughs> – I, I went with uh, – I had Gonzaga number one.
1: so Yeah, and fairly, uh, totally, fair pick, totally fair pick. Ken,
0: I appreciate it. Enjoy your your last day of quiet before the madness begins. And uh, I'm sure I will reach out to you throughout the season for random questions here or there, and you've always been great about helping out with that. But, Ken, I really appreciate you doing this. All right. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. All right. Well, there you go. There's my conversation with Ken Palm. Ken Pomroy, the founder and creator of KenPom.com, one of the more influential sites in, in college basketball, admittedly so, by the NCAA and the NCAA selection committee that uses it so so frequently, and uh, college basketball coaches reference it all the time. And there's a reason for it. It's because history shows that it is statistically pretty darn accurate, and it is statistically quite helpful to get a good and, and really a better understanding of of the game that so many of us, especially in these parts, love. So it is November 7th as I record this and as I post today's podcast, so yeah, that means the college basketball season is here. It has begun. Enjoy it. This is what we wait for all season, all off season. So what we've been waiting for. So here's to a fun and enjoyable college basketball season ahead. As for these podcasts, please rate them, subscribe them, however you're listening to them. Enjoy our coverage on abqjournal.com sports and give me some feedback at Jeff Grammar on Twitter, or you can email me, ggrammar at abqjournal.com anytime you want. Let my bosses know what you think. If you're interested in advertising, reach out to us, and I will get you in contact with the right people. So, appreciate you for listening. Doesn't happen without you. So, glad you're here. I'll be back next week with another podcast. Until then, thanks for listening.